Welcome to the April 22nd, 2019 edition of the Crypto.IQ Daily Radio Show, where we do a deep dive market analysis every day and discuss the most interesting stories in the Bitcoin and crypto space. This is your host Space Marine live from space. So Bitcoin is just over $5,300 this morning. In fact, Bitcoin's been close to this level all weekend. On 420 and afterwards, Bitcoin has been right up there against the $5,300 to $5,400 resistance level. And... There's good support, too, at $5,200. So Bitcoin's kind of like stuck in this tight trading range between $5,200 and a little over $5,300. Over the weekend, the highest Bitcoin got was $5,343 on Bitstamp. And that is so close to triggering a short squeeze, probably. Like if Bitcoin could just rise a little higher than where it is right now. Right now it's at $5,310. Perhaps a short squeeze could be triggered. That's basically when... A uh, short position is closed out. People have to buy Bitcoin to cover their short, and that causes Bitcoin's price to rise. And then when Bitcoin's price rises from covering the short, that causes other short positions to have to be closed, and more Bitcoin is bought to cover the shorts. And it's like a rapid feedback loop where Bitcoin's price rallies like sometimes hundreds of dollars in an hour. I think the market is quite close to that. If it's going to happen, there's no guarantees. But over the last week, since April 16th or so, Bitcoin has been on a steady uptrend. It started just below 5,200. If you draw a line through all this volatility, it's a nice uptrend from like below $5,200 to an average of about $5,300. So the buying pressure is greater than the selling pressure, but we have to deal with this very stubborn resistance at $5,300 to $5,400. This has been tested more than a handful of times since the beginning of April. That's been the real uh, critical resistance level. And I've found in the past that when a resistance level is extremely stubborn, that when it finally breaks, it breaks really hard and Bitcoin rallies a lot. If it breaks, uh, an example is that $4,200 long-term resistance level that got broken at the beginning of this month. When that happened, Bitcoin went all the way up to like 5400 basically. So if we could break this, we could be talking about a nice crypto rally, but that has not happened yet. It could happen at any time. And then again, Bitcoin could also get rejected at any time. One very interesting thing that's happening this week is on Friday, uh, we're having the CME Bitcoin futures expiration. And that oftentimes in the past denotes a change in the market from bearish to bullish or bullish to bearish. This month has been bullish. And we'll see if when the CME Bitcoin futures expiration happens, if the market suddenly turns bearish, it's possible. Um, and if the market continues to be kind of like upward pressure and the price steadily increasing after the CME Bitcoin futures expiration on Friday, that would be a very positive sign that the bear market is kind of coming to an end. But we'll have to wait and see if that actually happens. It might really just go the opposite way. Uh, the CME Bitcoin futures expirations have been closely correlated with the state of the Bitcoin market. Like we saw in 2018, two or three months where uh, Bitcoin was going up and then right when the expiration happens... Bitcoin starts crashing, so hopefully that's not the case. But if it happens, there's historical precedent for it. It wouldn't be that surprising. So we'll keep our eye on that. Moving into the rest of the market analysis, since over the last 24 hours or so, Bitcoin has risen a bit. It was at like 52.50 about 24 hours ago, and now it's at 53.10, so Bitcoin's risen a bit. Uh, keep in mind, though, Bitcoin's been stuck kind of between 5200 and 5300 for like days now. But over the last 24 hours, the trend is up technically. So the crypto market is generally up too. But compared to like the past several days, it's not really up. It's kind of like steady state. Well, Ethereum is up 1.7% in the past 24 hours. Near $172, $18.1 billion market cap. Bitcoin's market cap is at $94 billion. 
if we see one more rally, like if we break that resistance level at 5,300, 5,400, Bitcoin could easily go over a $100 billion market cap. Ripple's up 1.8% this morning. Bitcoin Cash is up 2.6%, but lo and behold, it's below $300. And it's down a lot on the week, actually. So it's at $294, $5.2 billion market cap. Litecoin is back in the number five spot. It's up 2%, near $78, but it went down a good amount over the weekend. So it's not exactly higher than it was before the weekend. It's lower than it was. EOS is up 1.1%. The crypto that's really bullish out of all of them is Binance Coin because that Binance Dex, I believe, is going to launch like tomorrow, according to the initial reports. They launched the Binance Chain a few days ago, and then the Binance Dex will go live once there's Binance Coins on the Binance Chain because Binance Coin was originally an ERC-20 Ethereum token, the biggest ERC-20 token at this point, and it's migrating to its own chain, the Binance Chain. So once the first migration is complete... They're going to open up that Binance Dex. It's basically like the Binance Chain is like a blockchain for trading crypto. That's pretty exciting stuff. And yeah, it might go live like tomorrow. So Binance Coin continues to rally. It's at $24.50, up 6% this in the past 24 hours, but constantly going up over the last week. So Binance Coin has been a big winner over the last week. Now it has a $3.5 billion market cap. It's sitting there at number seven still. It has a long way to go to overtake EOS, but it's well ahead of Tether, which is at number eight. And by the way, Tether is at a $2.6 billion market cap. Uh, like most people don't really look at Tether's market cap or trading activity because it's supposed to be right at $1. And it varies between like $0.99 cents and $1.01. But yeah, Tether has actually gone up a lot in market cap. It's gaining its reputation back. In the latter half of 2018, Tether had a bit, pretty big crisis. It lost its bank in uh, like Puerto Rico, the Noble Bank of Puerto Rico, after it lost its bank in Wells Fargo. And once it lost its Puerto Rican bank account, the price of Tether went as low as like 90 cents or even a little lower. And people were thinking Tether might totally collapse. And so, yeah, there was a market panic. Tether lost its reputation a bit. But now it's gaining it back. And now it's at a $2.6 billion market cap. That's up uh, $600 million from when that crisis happened, even like $700 million. So there's been $700 million of Tether issued since that crisis in the latter half of 2018. And Tether is back on track. And it continues to be the number one stablecoin. Stellar is up 1.4%. Cardano is up 4.1%, but it, it went down for most of the week. So, yeah, it's regaining some of its losses this morning. Tron, uh, the chart looks similar to Cardano over the last week. It's up 2%, but it lost a lot over the last week. Monero up 1.8%. Monero has been generally climbing over the last week. It's at $69. Now, it still really hasn't moved that much. Uh, Dash is up 2.3%. Charts very similar to Monero. It's up a bit over the last week. Uh, $122 per dash. Bitcoin SV is up 3.9% this morning. And remember, Bitcoin SV went down a ton like last week because it got delisted from Binance and Kraken and Shapeshift and probably some other exchanges, but I don't want to speculate. But yeah, there was a major fight on Twitter between the founder of Bitcoin SV, Craig Wright, and then the guy who created the Bitcoin Lightning Torch, his name was Holdenut. Holdenot ended up deleting his account because he was scared because Craig Wright was threatening to sue him for libel and defamation. And, yeah, so a lot of people, like, outlashed at Bitcoin SV and delisted it because of this sort of thing going on. Uh, Tezos is up 1.4% this morning. Uh, but Tezos was having, like, a really big rally for, like, a month or two. Like, since March, Tezos went from $0.40 cents to, like, $1.40. But then... A few days ago, the rally kind of broke, finally. Maybe not forever, but 
Yeah, it didn't like exactly crash, but like the rally stopped at least for a few days now, and it's at a dollar and thirty-two cents. It's up a little bit this morning, though. Theoretically, probably Tesla's could start rallying again, uh, but also at the same time, there's a risk that since it went up so much, maybe it will crash or something. But we'll we'll just have to wait and see. I don't want to speculate. Uh, the reason Tezos has gained so much value since March is because it's become the most popular proof-of-stake cryptocurrency because Binance and Coinbase have announced that they're going to be launching staking services for Tezos. So that quickly made Tezos the most popular proof-of-stake crypto because people could literally buy Tezos and then just store it on Binance or Coinbase. I believe Coinbase's service is live, but Binance will be launching sometime soon. Uh, in any case, uh, but yeah, people could like just store it on those exchanges and have earned from the staking and then Tezos was going up a lot at the same time so like usually proof of stake cryptos kind of go down long term because there's a constantly inflating supply but in this case Tezos was gaining a lot of value and people were still able to stake it so Tezos was probably the most profitable cryptocurrency uh, maybe even more so than Binance coin or at least at the same amount of profitability as Binance coin um, because literally people were earning lots of money from its price going up and they were staking it too and creating new Tezos for themselves IOTA's up 2.5%. And then Dogecoin is up 0.6%, $330 million market cap. So that completes the market analysis for this morning. Basically, the crypto market's in the green. That's just because Bitcoin's up since 24 hours ago. But really, the crypto market's kind of steady state. You can see that on the total crypto market cap. Over the last week, the total crypto market cap has risen from as low as $170 billion to like about $180 billion. It's actually at $179 billion to be exact right now. Uh, on April 21st, just after midnight, the total crypto market cap went from $181 billion down to $176 billion. And then since then, it's risen to back to $179, $180 billion. So that's why we're seeing the crypto market in the green. It's not really a rally or a bullish morning even. It's just like a steady state morning. And we're waiting for Bitcoin to break that $5,300 to $5,400 resistance level. And we'll just have to wait and see if that happens or if the CME Bitcoin futures expiration will come first. Maybe that will initiate some sort of crash. Um, I don't know what's going to happen exactly. That The two scenarios, though, are that Bitcoin rallies, gets through that level, and we see a big rally. Or Bitcoin gets rejected from the level, and we go back to support levels. Moving on to the first interesting story of the day. So Bitcoin SV has undergone two reorganizations, block reorgs. Uh, one of them was six blocks and the other one was three blocks. So that's not that big of a block reorg, but it is still a block reorg. And most of the time the term block reorg is associated with 51% attacks. Uh, basically a 51% attack is when an attacker wants to double spend some crypto. So in this case, it's Bitcoin SV. They would send Bitcoin SV to an exchange on the old chain, wait for that Bitcoin SV to confirm. And then uh, they buy some Bitcoin or some other crypto and they withdraw it from the exchange. And then they implement a chain that they've been mining on the side that's actually longer than the actual blockchain for Bitcoin SV. And so they put in their attacking chain pretty much and it becomes the real dominant chain. And then the transaction they sent on the original chain disappears. In this case, there is no sign that there was a 51% attack. And it is uncertain if this was any sort of attack at all, although it cannot be ruled out because there's a lot of animosity towards Bitcoin SV right now. We've been talking about on the past several shows, even on this show during the market analysis, how uh, Bitcoin SV uh, kind of raised the ire and the criticism of the crypto world with Craig Reg getting into a fight with Holden out on Twitter. 
And, yeah, that was a big controversy. The biggest fight on Twitter of the past month, probably, over crypto. Well, anyway, so, yeah, Bitcoin SV was delisted from Binance and Kraken and stuff, and it went down a ton. And now we're seeing this block reorg. Maybe someone was trying to attack the network. Who knows? Uh, that's not confirmed yet. But some people are saying this is just because Bitcoin SV has such huge block sizes sometimes. So most of the time, Bitcoin SV doesn't even have like one megabyte block sizes because it's not used as much as Bitcoin. So that kind of defeats the whole paradigm of like Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV. Both Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV don't have as much transactions as Bitcoin does. And Bitcoin's still managing really well with just a 1.2 megabyte block limit pretty much. Bitcoin Cash formed because people wanted a bigger block size limit. And right now they're at 32 megabytes for Bitcoin Cash. Bitcoin SV took it to the next level and they have 128 megabyte block size limits. Well, here's the thing, whenever their block sizes actually get over even 10 megabytes, not not even 100 megabytes, but like if the block size is over 10 megabytes for Bitcoin SV, it takes a long time for that block to propagate to the network. And literally a miner uh, mining a smaller block could like put their block in and actually win the block reward and their block replaces the bigger block, even if they submit their block after someone else that submitted that bigger block. So someone could submit like a 15 megabyte block onto the Bitcoin SV network. And then someone submits like a one megabyte block and they get the block reward even if they submitted it significantly after the first person. And that could lead to a block reorganization, a block reorg, because basically someone could submit like a 10 megabyte block and then someone else finds a one megabyte block and then someone else finds a one megabyte block based on that 10 megabyte block. And then someone submits a one megabyte block that replaces the 10 megabyte block. And then you have like a three block reorg. So it could just be because the Bitcoin SV network is not designed correctly for a peer to peer crypto network pretty much. And that that's really what it probably is. Either way, it doesn't look good. It's like block reorgs are very bad. If Bitcoin had a block reorg ever, it would be like the biggest story of the month. It's very bad. It could lead to double spends even accidentally. Because let's say someone sends a Bitcoin SV to a crypto exchange at the beginning of uh, six blocks and then those six blocks end up getting reorged and six blocks replace them someone could literally deposit bitcoin sv and withdraw the money without even being an attacker like they could deposit the bitcoin sv make a trade really quick withdraw it and then you know the bitcoin sv disappears from the exchange if this happened with bitcoin for six block reorg it would probably you know lead to like a lot of double spends because most exchanges and even crypto ATMs only require one confirmation. So if like six blocks get reorged for Bitcoin, it would be like a disaster. Let me be clear. This is not Bitcoin. Bitcoin does not have this issue. It appears Bitcoin SV is having a block reorg issue um, because its block sizes are too big and it's just not flowing very good. Like when someone sends a big block into the network, once in a while, it doesn't really get confirmed. It gets orphaned. And if it takes some time to get orphaned, you could have a block reward from all the blocks based on that block. Of course, there's also the possibility that this is not totally benign, that someone is trying to like spam attack Bitcoin SV and make the blocks bigger, or actually trying to do a 51% attack. Uh, one expert notes that uh, if someone really wants to do a 51% attack on Bitcoin SV, the fact that it is so clunky and the block sizes are too big to propagate correctly, in fact, someone needs less than 51% of the network hash rate to do a 51% attack. So someone could take advantage of this and like 51% attack Bitcoin SV with way less than 51% of the hash rate. So that's interesting to know and probably a good reason just not to use Bitcoin SV. So uh, moving on to the next story. Apparently there's a gambling website set up for people to bet on Game of Thrones with Bitcoin. 
And it's actually that Bitcoin faucet, freebitco.in. That used to be, like, the best Bitcoin faucet. It might still be where you can, like, win Satoshis over time and maybe get, like, $10 of Bitcoin if you click on it every day for, like, a month or something or, like, for a year. Well, anyways, they've launched a gambling thing. And uh, so far, 1.53 Bitcoins, which is, like, $7,500 or almost $8,000 has been bet. And basically, the question is, who will win the Iron Throne and rule Westeros at the end of Game of Thrones Season 8? So Game of Thrones is probably, like, one of the more popular shows of our time right now. And it's been a battle between, like, Daenerys, which is, like, the Dragon Queen. She came from Esteros, and she she went over to Westeros, finally. And the weird thing is, though, like, George R. R. Martin wrote, like, the Game of Thrones books. I read them before the series ever even happened, and it was leading up to, like, Daenerys winning everything. But then he kind of stopped writing books, uh, like, many years ago. He never wrote a book since years ago, and there's no signs that he's going to write any more books. So the story went from, like, following the books closely on the TV show to, like, making up its own saga. And uh, at that point, I kind of stopped watching the show. That was a long time ago. Like, a couple years ago, I stopped watching because it was getting very confusing and not really like the books anymore. But that's just me. A lot of people still like Game of Thrones. and uh, But who knows who's going to win the Iron Throne? Um, because literally the people in charge of the TV show get to be the ones to decide who wins the Iron Throne. So if it was up to the books, it would be like Daenerys would ultimately win the Iron Throne. But since it's the TV show, it could probably get really, really confusing. And apparently 20% of the people that bet uh, who's going to win the Iron Throne on, with this bet uh, say they don't know. So like people are literally putting Bitcoin in to say uh, it's going to be unknown who wins the Iron Throne. So that's interesting. And I wonder how this bet could be enforced. Like, Because what if they don't really show at the end of Season 8 that you know, who won, and I guess it's unknown. But that's going to be, like, kind of hard to regulate. Like, what if, like, some people think this person won, but it's not 100% sure. It's kind of up to the people that are running this website to decide it. But anyways, this is just another interesting application of Bitcoin gambling. Basically, Bitcoin can be used to gamble on anything. I would kind of expect this sort of thing to be on Augur, A-U-G-U-R, which is the decentralized uh, prediction market, which is, like, a gambling market, pretty much, for predicting the future. And so I, there probably is this sort of bet on Augur too, but I, I can't confirm that it didn't look. Uh, in general, Augur has not been being used that much, so there's not that many users on Augur, but they're still seeing some bets. Like when the presidential election happened, there was a lot of bets. Uh, when the Super Bowl happens, there's some bets. And they're always betting on where will Bitcoin's price be in the future. Um, well, anyway, so yeah, that's just interesting to know about. If you want to, like, make some bitcoin or lose some bitcoin while watching game of thrones i guess this is, this is the thing to do on freebitco.in moving on to the next story so there's this crypto mining company called b calls mining llc and apparently they're a quote-unquote full stack crypto company where they have like crypto spot trading and derivatives trading and the mining so they do like everything crypto uh well anyways they have filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy and apparently this is like the first time that uh or one of the first times that a crypto company has filed chapter 11 bankruptcy like this and chapter 11 bankruptcy is in order to give time to reorganize the company and to repay debts in a structured way instead of like totally collapsing so like let's say someone has a house and they go chapter 11 because they can't really pay the mortgage then they are allowed to pay back their mortgage at a slower pace but they must work a job and stuff so this gives this company a chance to like basically earn money over time and pay back their debts instead of getting totally nuked out of existence by their creditors. Well, anyways, 
Uh, the interesting thing in this case is that the creditors aren't like, you know, people that gave them money for investment. Uh, one of them is the power company, Dominion Energy Virginia, uh, like claims $1.46 million from this mining company. And of course, mining, crypto mining uses lots of electricity. It sounds like this crypto mining company did not really pay their electric bill, but I'm just speculating. There's no way to know for sure what's exactly going on here, but they owe the power company $1.46 million. And then the really strange thing is they owe Customs and Border Protection uh, $737,000. Uh, so that might be because of tariffs. Remember in the news, in the market news for like the stock market and the global economy and politics, the tariffs have been, been one of the biggest issues this year. Like the president of the United States is constantly increasing the tariffs, especially on stuff from China and Europe. Well, a lot of the mining rigs come from like China and I'm just speculating what's going on here. It's possible that, you know, they ordered a lot of mining rigs from China, like a tremendous amount of them. And then they ended up with a tariff for like over $700,000 for that. I don't know for sure, but that's probably one of the only ways to end up uh, owing money to Customs and Border Protection is if you don't pay your tariffs. And in this case, it was such a large shipment, like they didn't turn it back at the border. They let it through with a promise that, you know, they would pay sort of thing. So that's just kind of interesting that the power company and the Customs, like, claim so much money from this crypto company that they have gone Chapter 11, basically using the government's own laws to protect themselves against the government. So this is like the first case. It's an interesting case. We'll see what happens with that. Moving on to the next story. I find this Satoshi's treasure, treasure hunt, very interesting. I've mentioned it on a couple shows now. It's like where there's a million dollars of Bitcoin locked up in a multi-sig transaction. And there's a thousand keys to this multi-signature transaction. And if someone gets 400 signatures, 400 keys, they can win the one million dollars of Bitcoin. Well, there's stories rolling out continuously about what's going on with this. People are apparently taking this very seriously. 40,000 people have signed up. I'm not one of them. I'm, I don't have time for this. It's like you would really need a lot of time to play this game. Well, anyways, uh, uh, apparently people were driving for hours to get to San Francisco to get one of the clues. And then uh, it was like the, one of the clues was hidden in a store in the Tenderloin area of San Francisco. And the person who was running the store got a call from someone in China saying, hey, I'll give you $100 of Bitcoin if you take a picture of the clue and send it to me. Um, I don't think that's against the rules, I guess. But I guess the person that agreed to hide the clue in their store like, didn't want to give up the clue. But yeah, I don't think there's any rules besides don't go on private property. And it was kind of interesting because, uh, yeah, that is the rule. It says don't go on private property, but automatically... They're hiding the keys on, like, private property. I guess technically instead of a store, like, let's say it's Publix or Walmart, I guess you could walk around in the store and look around in the store, and that's not really private property, but it is. It is private property, but it has public access. So I guess don't take the private property thing. So literally, like, I thought when I read that, though, that the clues would be hidden outside where everyone can walk and it's not in anyone's property. Well, in this case, apparently they are hiding keys inside of stores. Aside from that, there's already secondary markets opening up to buy keys, uh... Which I don't know how good that would work, because if someone has the key, like a private key for Bitcoin, like even if they sold the private key, quote unquote sold it, that doesn't mean like they still don't have access to that key. Especially in this case, like let's say you sell private key to your Bitcoins, where you only need one key to get your Bitcoins. Yeah, if you sold your key, then someone could like transfer the Bitcoins out of that key immediately. In this case, like literally, uh, no one could transfer Bitcoins out of the key until they get 400 keys, and there's only four keys out so far. So I don't know how a secondary market would work so good for these sort of private keys uh, because like someone could sell it and then keep it anyways. Well, 
Uh, that might be the name of the game, though, because uh, there's like 400 private keys that must be found in a thousand total. So, like, literally every time someone finds a key, like, people might not be trying to find 400 keys themselves. If they find one key, then they get a claim to, like, the $1 million pot. So every key is worth probably, like, $1,000, maybe even a little more, because... Okay, so it would be worth a thousand dollars if you have a million dollars. You divide it by a thousand keys. Each key is worth a thousand dollars. But if you take a million dollars and divide it by four hundred keys, each key is worth like over two thousand dollars. So the keys are worth money, I guess. And there's markets opening up to sell the keys, and then people are even taking the keys they find and making games on top of this game. So Satoshi's Treasure is a game to begin with, and they're making secondary games on top of it for people to try to find the key. Like, so someone that finds the key that just wants to mess around, they make a game where they make their own game so someone else can find the key. The most interesting thing is the game's developer has said that no single country will be able to win, like, all the keys. So that's, like, people are thinking when they play this game that they can win all the keys for themselves and get a million dollars of Bitcoin. Well, actually, like, not even a single country, even all the people in a single country working together apparently cannot win the 400 keys. That's what the game's developer is saying. So that's kind of disillusioning, but they're doing that to force people to clan up. And clan is like in video games where people like work together and they have a clan. They have a cool little clan name and like a, they put it next to their actual username in the video game. Well, anyway, so there's like clans with people from 20 plus countries forming. So it's becoming like an international effort to find the keys. So yeah, this is just interesting to watch, to watch the dynamics of people trying to win money with any way possible, and it's a pretty decentralized game, actually. Yeah, centralized in the sense that whoever's running Satoshi's Treasure is running it, but there's not that many rules, so people are, like, you know, calling people up, trying to bribe people to get keys, and they're hacking it. Like, we talked about the other day how people, someone hacked the first three keys. A fourth key has been found. I guess it probably wasn't hacked, but I don't know for sure. So yeah, it's kind of like a free-for-all here, and it's it's... Revealing some very interesting game dynamics when there's like a million dollars involved, like all the things people will do to try to win the keys. So right now we have 40,000 people around the world actually playing to find the keys. We'll see what happens with this. I'm sure it's going to lead to a lot of interesting stories, so I'm keeping my eye on it. That's all I have for you today on this April 22nd, 2019 edition of the Crypto.IQ Daily Radio Show. Come back tomorrow for another exciting episode and go to Crypto.IQ for the most interesting stories in the Bitcoin and crypto space. Also join that Crypto.IQ trading desk. They have made 314% profit since July, even in the worst of the bear market. And if you join the Crypto.IQ trading desk, you can see their trades in real time with a full trading analysis for each trade. Just from reading the trade analysis for each trade, you can become an expert crypto trader, but it gets even better. You can actually ask the expert Crypto.IQ traders questions in real time, and they'll answer your questions pretty quickly, usually pretty instantly, actually. So. If you join the Crypto.IQ trading desk, it's the best way to become an expert and profitable cryptocurrency trader. This is your host, Space Marine, signing out. I remain in space.